Dalton takes a shotgun snap. Quick throw. Nice. Caught by Get Green. It, it is a yeah. touchdown. Adriel Jeremiah Green. You don't live in Cleveland. Hello and welcome to episode 104 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. And uh, of course, we had a fun Sunday night, didn't we? Yesterday, watching the Bengals snatch defeat from the jaws of victory uh, in Indianapolis, losing to the Colts 31-27 after being 21 nothing up in the first quarter. How about that for finding... Yet more and exciting ways to lose football matches. I think we found another one. But seriously, um, there was, again, lots to like during that performance. Uh, But then, you know, as soon as the Colts kind of made their adjustments and, and started to roll, there was no stopping them, really. However, there was a chance to win the game on a final drive. And how many times have we seen Joe Burrow do that in his short career? Um, I actually fully expected us to win that, but um, it wasn't to be, and it wasn't the heartbreaker. So the Bengals fall to one, four, and one. Here to discuss everything with me, my usual partner in crime. It's Nathan Palmer. Everybody, Nathan, hello. How you doing, my son? Do you know what I'm liking to start off on a positive note? I'm loving the the Cincinnati episodes now. Sound like dart scores, 104. <laughs> like it's getting into that sort of dart territory. Do you know what I mean? Like sort of a solid score in the hundreds. You know? Yeah, exactly. You'd be happy with 104, wouldn't you? Good. Maybe good. a fantastic start if you could hit 104. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, lots to talk about. As ever, we've got. Uh, uh, a fun episode of First and Ten coming up, but I'm sure that's not the uh, reason you're all tuning to this podcast. We do, we're do we going to do something a little bit different today, aren't we, Nathan? We are indeed, my son. We, uh, just before I spoke to Nathan, I got off the, the old internet telephone, as they call it, um, with the brilliant Elise Jesse. Of course, Elise was a uh, journalist in Cincinnati for almost a decade, an Emmy award-winning broadcast journalist. And um, I think it's the most incendiary interview we've ever done on Cincinnati. How about that? I don't even know what the word is. You've said it a few times. I don't even know what that word means. It must be good. It means explosive and uh, <laughs> whoa, fire. Whoa. <laughs> But yeah, Elise lays it all out on the table for us, and it's not a pretty listen, but I must say, it is a necessary listen. So, instead of just like rattling on about what we thought about the game yesterday, like we normally do, uh, we're going to bring in Elise right now, and she's going to talk through her mouth and into your ears right now. Listen to this. And joining us now, making a return to the podcast, is our old friend Elise Jesse, the Emmy Award-winning broadcaster, uh, who used to be in Cincinnati, but is no longer in Cincinnati. But that's okay. We can talk to her about Cincinnati-based things. Elise, uh, welcome back to the podcast. It's lovely to speak to you again. Thank you. It's lovely to be on with you again. I need somebody to talk football with. Are you sure? Because yes. things aren't going... <laughs> Quite to plan, are they? Let's face it. <laughs> I mean, I, I am so used to covering a losing football team that now 
it it's my feelings are not hurt my feelings are no longer um in in with the team so i'm easily able to talk about it that's interesting so i guess because you were quite close to a few of the players who were in the locker room and doing your tv reports kind of on a daily basis more or less um now viewing things objectively you're not as sort of emotionally connected would that be right to say well in terms of the players relationships and things like that well that's the thing i still talk to a lot of players and coaches weekly um and that has not gone away because um just through working so closely with the team for so many years um it would have been what eight or nine seasons this year if i had stayed um those people become kind of like your friends yeah um and so, yeah, when they have frustrations, they want to voice it. And um, so to someone who kind of understands and gets what they're talking about, because mm-hmm. not everyone has been inside that locker room. Not everybody knows who they're talking about or what the culture is like. So mm-hmm. when they're able to kind of, it's almost like when at a Catholic church, when you go into an, a, a confessional and you just completely let everything out. That's kind of how it is. I'm the priest. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long time since I've been in a confessional, but, um, you know, I never have, but I've seen it in movies. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, so what's, what's going on? A lot. There's a lot of anger flying around. We're getting a lot of fires at Taylor. We're getting mm-hmm. a lot of people worried about any potential discord in the, in the locker room with Carlos coming out and criticizing uh, Darius Phillips posted some weird cryptic tweets. That's not unusual for Darius to be honest with you, but in the context of what's going on, everybody's kind of piling on at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's start with Zach. I mean, there are calls already to get rid of him, certainly get rid of Jim Turner. Lou's mm-hmm. getting some heat as well. What's your kind of take on all that? Um, here's my thing. I think that Zach Taylor is a really nice person. Um, I think he's in over his head because he goes from the quarterback's coach to suddenly a head coach who was not an offensive coordinator in the NFL. And so when you make a jump like that, I mean, going even going from a position coach to an offensive coordinator, because I've spoken with guys like Ken Zampezi and kind of asked him about what the transition is like. And there's so much more to manage at that next level in the coaching tree. And when you don't have that experience, you have to rely on others um, and their experience and their their quality coaching, if you will, and their ability to um, connect with the players and coach the players well. And yeah, there are a few position coaches that are not connecting well with their players right now. Um, I think they all have a respect for Zach, but I think that is what is kind of drumming up a culture issue. And that's weird because Zach bangs on and has banged on about culture from right from the start. Yeah. And yeah. you're saying there's a disconnect between some of the position coaches. I think we can kind of guess which mm-hmm. ones, perhaps, or which one in particular. Uh, would I be right in making that assumption? I think there are a couple. And I think it's always, I mean, 
I haven't been in the meetings, you know, when Marvin Lewis was the head coach for Cincinnati, I would go in and I would be allowed to be in the meetings with, um, you know, a position coach or defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator. And that taught me a lot because it showed me the different roles that each different coach has. Um, and these coaches have to be able to decipher between coaching a college player and coaching a pro. It's very different. Mm. Um, and players at the professional level, hyper competitive. They know that they need to be in the spotlight and make those big plays in the moment. And they want to be coached and they want to be coached well. And the biggest thing that I've noticed through covering the NFL for so long is that these players have a strong BS meter. Right. So if they think that a, a coach is BSing them, mm. they lose respect almost instantly. So um, there's a few issues. Yeah. I mean, what, what would you do, Elise? I mean, if, if things aren't... I mean, with the, with the influx of free agents, which was pretty unusual and amazing in the off-season, what mm -hmm. looked like a good draft... Yes, they've had injuries on the defensive line, but we're still seeing the same kind of issues or what perceived issues from fans, at least, about play calling, offensive play calling, and yesterday, perhaps, defensive play calling as well. Mm -hmm. uh, that's it. And we just don't seem to be getting the best. You look at, say, Brian Flores in Miami, and arguably, they've got a worse roster than we have. And yet, they're winning games. And he seems to be getting the best out of his players. And I think that's what a lot of fans are worried about, that Zach and certainly some of the position coaches aren't getting the best out of their players. Sometimes I wonder if Zach even knows everything that goes on between his position, some of his position coaches and um, some of those players. And for players, it's, it can be difficult when you have a brand new defensive coordinator, for example, um, take Sean Williams. I mean, Lou Anarumo is his fourth defensive coordinator since <laughs> Sean's been with the team. So it's brand new verbiage. It's a brand new way of doing things, teaching things, um, and if it's too complicated, I think some players sometimes will be um, overthinking and too far into their heads instead of just playing football like they know how to, mm. if you know what I mean. Just instinctive football. Mm. So, I mean, do you think, I mean, it would be very un Bengals like if they fired a coach kind of, not, we haven't reached the halfway stage of the season yet. So I'm, right. I would personally be absolutely flabbergasted if they fired Zach Taylor. But mm -hmm. going forward, how hot is his seat? And, I mean, do you expect some changes to be made perhaps uh, in the bye week, maybe? Maybe not coaching personnel-wise or what? Something's got to happen, I think. See, I can only go off of how the Bengals have acted in the past. So take, for example, Marvin Lewis. We knew that Marvin Lewis's seat was getting hotter when they started um, basically forcing him to make changes at position group coaches. Mm. You know what I mean? So he eventually had to fire Ken Zampezi as the offensive coordinator. When you see Zach start to have to make those changes to his support staff, I think that's when you know that his seat is really heating up right, okay. because that's what the Bengals have done in the past. That seems to be their pattern. 
but I would be I would be just as shocked as you are if Zach Taylor loses his job this season, especially it being a weird, crazy year in the middle of a pandemic. I think I think he's going to get a pass this year. So if that if let's move on to the players, you say you're still close to some of the players. What are you hearing or what have you heard? Because, again, going back to what I said earlier, it's discons- everyone, every, all the fans love Carlos. He's had a terrific mm-hmm. career in Cincinnati. Um, and it would be such a shame if he left under a bit of a cloud. Not necessarily with the fans, but, you know, with the management. Um, what are you hearing? Is, are you hearing about any kind of discord in the locker room at all? I have heard about some discord in the locker room, but I, I hear everyone seems to have a different story from Carlos to coaches to even some players' parents I'll talk to also. Mm. And everyone seems to have a completely different view of what is actually going on in the locker room. Um, I can tell you that I'm kind of shocked that the culture is um, – not great in a way just because of how much Zach Taylor was preaching about communication and culture when he first got here. You also have to remember though, that um, winning will cover up a lot of issues that a team has and losing exposes that completely. And I also think that Lou Anarumo is running a different defense than Marvin Lewis had under his regime, which was a four, three defense. And now they're kind of expecting you know, Carlos Dunlap, he even said it. I don't know if you saw this on Instagram, but he was not pleased after yesterday's game. Um, He only played 28 snaps yesterday and then commented and said, well, I'm an outside linebacker now. (laughs) So his role is changing. I don't know if the coaches believe that he fits into that system. And I think he's noticing that. Um, And he, I mean, there are a few players who have actually talked to me about um, respect and not feeling like they're getting the respect that they're due. But if you look at the Bengals past, I mean, what veterans are they known for respecting? If you Mm -hmm. remember the Andrew Whitworth situation, I mean, he was a staple in that locker room and he didn't get much respect, which is why he went with the Rams. Yeah. Oh, I wish you didn't say that, Elise, because I've sort of been holding out hope that this is because, you know, if you take Carlos again, let's zero in on Carlos, poor old Carlos again. Mm-hmm. He's at what, a 10 year vet. He's coming to the end part of his career. Uh, and it's natural for when a player is so beloved by fans, he's, I believe, one sack away from the franchise record. Mm-hmm. He's had a he's a pro bowler. He's he had a ter- he's had a terrific career, and that must be very difficult for a player when you're coming to the end of your career, when your production is dropping off and it has dropped off the last year or so, mm-hmm. to kind of make that all kind of accept and acknowledge that realization that you are coming to the end of your career. Now, I I was kind of hoping that it was just a, an ego thing. It was like you know I'm used to being top dog around here top tiger in this case you know and uh, and now I'm not and I'm finding it really difficult to to come to terms with um how much of that is there in this do you think I think he does believe that he has a lot more years left in the tank um unfortunately not everybody is like an Andrew Whitworth where you can be 38 and still be the top left tackle in the league for example 
your production is not always going to be as high as it was in year two or year three for players. And um, I think it's especially hard for Carlos to come to that realization because um, he seems to take such good care of his body. He gets a lot of acupuncture and massages and Mm -hmm. eats right and does all this stuff. And he feels like if he's putting in the work, he should get more out of it. Um, I think there's a lot of frustration going around and um, the losing is really exposing that. And I think you definitely saw it when he got in front of the media. What was it last week? Mm. And kind of said, you know, I would like to prepare for Baltimore, but instead I'm preparing for the madness that they're doing, referring to the coaches. Mm. What part does Joe Burrow play in all this? If there is... Poor Joe. <laughs> yeah, right. If there is something rotten going on here and Zach is beginning to lose the locker room, which by the sounds of it, he might well be. At what point does Joe Burrow go upstairs and say, look, this is not what I signed up for. You know, uh, I didn't sign up a to be on a losing team and B to have a, a culture to be exposed to a culture that is not, uh, conducive to winning football. I think if you're the number one overall pick, you expect to go to a team that has problems because they got to that spot to draft you in that position Mm. in the first place. Mm. Um, And from what I hear, Joe Burrow is in more meetings with Zach Taylor than any other player in the locker room. Mm. Um, I feel bad for Joe. I don't think that he was expecting it to be like this. Um, And, you know, we all appreciate Zach going up in front of the cameras and he's not going to say anything bad about a position coach or a player because he, I think he looks at that as throwing somebody under the bus, which is just something that he hasn't done since he's gotten here. Um, But I wonder what he says behind the scenes, because when you're Zach Taylor and you have not won a single game on the road and you continue to say, we believe in ourselves and we have a good thing going here, we're going in the right direction none of that is really adding up when you look at their record and how they blow 21 point leads in the second half, for example. Um, None of it's really making sense or adding up with what he's saying and how they're playing. Mm. Such a tricky one, isn't it? So where, where do you see it going from here? Will it get worse before it gets better? I guess is the question. Oh Lord. I think there do need to, be some changes in a few position coaches um, in a few of those rooms with position coaches. And I kind of felt bad for Taylor. I know that he um, went with Jim Turner because he could trust Jim Turner because he has worked with him before. Um, Jim Turner was always nice to me when I was there. I like him, but there's definitely a disconnect with quite a few players in that locker room. And I don't know if other people noticed um, last season in 2019. Specifically. Huh? With Jim Turner specifically? Yes. Yeah, okay. I don't know if you um, noticed or if you were able to see it on when watching the games on TV in 2019, but Jim always seemed to stand very far away from the rest of the team during the game. Right. So when players come out, they want coaching immediately from the sidelines, and they weren't getting that. And from what I hear now, he's up in the booth, so I don't think he's even on the sidelines now. Right. Um, but there's just a disconnect with that. And I think that Zach didn't really have time to choose the types of coaches Mm -hmm. that he wanted. He went with guys that he can trust, which makes complete sense because if you're going to be running an organization and be the head coach of 
of an NFL football team, you want guys in there that you can trust. Mm. Um, but I, I definitely think that there need to be some types of changes if they're going to get better. Mm. Because they're running stuff where they don't have the personnel for it. I mean, it's just it's just a mess. Like players are confused. They don't they don't know. <laughs> they they say that they didn't practice or prepare for what they saw in the game, and it was completely <laughs> different from practice. And it's just there's no connecting there. And it's I feel completely horrible for some of those guys in there. Yes, uh, I don't know what to say. It's all a bit depressing, then, isn't it? Really. Um... But then they, they've been showing signs of, like yesterday, that first quarter against the Colts, they, were, they looked mm-hmm. kind of world beaters. Um, so I guess the hope is that at least they can get more consistent. Well, well that's the biggest thing that they're lacking is consistency. Mm. I mean, you, you score 21 points and then you let the Colts come back. What was it, 31 to 4? Yeah. Is the comeback that they made? I mean, the defensive breakdowns that we saw were obviously an issue. And I thought that um, at first, in the first quarter, they looked really great considering that they didn't have Sam Hubbard or DJ Reader for the first time Mm. this season. Mm. Um, So I was impressed. And then all of a sudden, it seems to just break down the rest of the game. So um, I I just can't imagine how frustrating – um, that is for Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon and just guys who are working their tails off. They thought 21 points would be enough to win a ball game. But unfortunately, in the NFL, in this day and age, you have to continue to score and run yeah. up that scoreboard. 21 points a, is not going to win a game all the time. I think there was a problem with uh, aggressiveness on the offensive side of the ball. Some players have been saying that uh, they felt that perhaps they took the the, the foot off the pedal a little bit. Um, what do you think? What did you see yesterday? Um, I think Colt, the Colts defensive coordinator was able to figure it out pretty quickly and make those adjustments. <laughs> and that really messed with them. Um, and I mean, Joe Burrow, he gets, he gets a lot of flack for not getting rid of the ball soon enough, which is a big issue, which is why I think he's been sacked. What is it now? 24 times on the season. Not all of those sacks are on the offensive line. In my opinion, he's got to get the ball out so much quicker. Um, but we have to also remember that he is a rookie and he's still learning. And I mean, the Ravens just tortured him last week and the Colts. I don't know if you notice on that last play where he threw that interception, but that looked like a blitz to me. They certainly, the Colts certainly noticed that the Ravens were yeah. blitzing the heck out of him the week before. And they, it's almost like they were holding that in their back pocket in case they needed it and they used it when they needed to. And it worked. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the Colts are an Eberflus isn't known for blitzing too much, but you're right. They probably kept a few packages in their back pocket just at the, you know, just to unleash at the right time. And I think you're right. Um, at least I could talk to you all day, but, um, I I might slip my wrists. Um, but no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, (laughs) Don't do that. Listen, I'll give you, I'll give you a positive note to end on. on. I don't want you to be slitting your wrists. I don't need to depress all of your listeners. Just look at the talent yeah. at quarterback, at running back with Joe Mixon. T. Higgins. Ran, yes, T. Higgins, who played more snaps than any other wide receiver yesterday. Yeah. Um, Tyler Boyd is still playing well. Um, I mean, I would. I can't wait until Trey Waynes comes back. That will really help the defense. Mm. Um, next year, DJ Reader coming back. I mean, 
they have talented pieces. They just need to find consistency and figure out how to play together, put it together. That's all it is. I agree with you. And thank you for ending things on a positive note. You can follow Elise as ever at Elise Jesse TV on the Twitter. And I believe you have a brand new website, uh, elisejesse.com. So go check out Elise's written work. It's, it's well worth a read. Uh, Elise, <laughs> as ever, thank you so much for the time. Uh, it's always good to, to chat with you. Hope we, we can do it again soon. Absolutely. Anytime you need me, I'm here. Well, there we go. That's our old friend Elise Jesse. Didn't have time to come up with a drinks recipe for us because she was she was on fire. Not literally, but out mouth fire, word fire, and um, she's like a kraken, just laying it all out there. Oh man, alive! Um, and telling us stuff that I certainly, I think you probably heard me during the interview that I didn't particularly want to hear. Because she basically <laughs> confirmed, you know, we had, you know, Carlos Dunlap having a bit of a moan to the media. Was it last week or the week before? Then last week, Darius Phillips uh, tweeting something quite cryptic. Again, that's nothing unusual for Darius, who likes a bit of a, a moan and a, in a cryptic fashion on Twitter. It's not the first time. Um, Sean Williams joined in. John Ross retweeted. Um, so she basically confirmed that there that there is discord and disharmony in the the Bengals locker room, which is I don't know that that deflated me a little bit really because um, you didn't you know you, you you don't want it to happen, do you? You don't want to see that lock. You want everyone pulling in the right direction. But I guess again, as Elise said. If you're losing football games by one score and there's a couple of plays in it and they're not making those plays and there's some questionable play calls, it's hard to keep that unity going, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And we did say last week, didn't we? We said after that loss um, against the Ravens, it was quite a thumping loss. We said, look, how long can these guys keep listening to Zach? And my worry was always that he was losing the locker room. You've got a lot of veterans there that have been here a long time. And there's only so many games you can lose with a new guy that's coming, a young guy with lax experience. And if you're not winning, you're going to question as to, is this guy actually up for this? Is he is he teaching us enough? And as Elise said, it, it's a, it makes for damning reading, really. I mean, I think week after week, you really want to see Zach come good. You want to see evidence of this culture that he's trying to build and really see progress, and you want to see motivated players. And I just think all this stuff been leaking out into the press in the last week or two, you don't want to see it. Now, there's arguments that have been going around, oh, it might not be anything, it might not be anything. But when you're not winning games, it, it's a bit like a crack, you know. You're a bit like, oh, this is not really what we want to be seeing. It probably wouldn't be happening if we were, you know, 4-1-1 one and one or something like that. And, yeah, it, it's, it's, not good. it's not good listening, is it? No. I mean, we can discuss the ins and outs of yesterday's game. Um, you know, they look world beaters in that first quarter. It's brilliant. Deep balls being caught. T Higgins catching. AJ Green catching passes. Mixon running nicely. The offensive line playing well. Burrow hitting his receivers. The defence holding 
holding the Colts. You know, it was it was a dream first quarter. Now you expect a team twenty one nothing down to come out and start throwing the kitchen sink at you to try and get a, a foothold in the game, uh, which is obviously what happened. And they were, you know, they still were in it to win it uh, on that final drive. So it wasn't all bad. And you have to remember that the Colts had the number one defense in the league. So for the Bengals to put up 27 points and have a real chance of putting up 34 points against that team, um, you know, is to be commended. But there's only, oh, there are only so many times that you can say, oh, you know, that was a close one, wasn't it? We could have won that, really. Uh, until you say that there's only so many times you can say that. And um, I do think uh, Zach's seat is getting hotter by the moment. And I, I do think yeah, do think yesterday's result was kind of on the defence, really. The offence played pretty well. Um, but then what do you expect when you're playing two of your premier defensive linemen in Carlos Dunlap? And uh, Geno Atkins, you know, how many... Dunlap played for 28 snaps yesterday. Um, Xavier Williams, who was signed off the street last week, played 34 snaps. Um, You know, Geno Atkins only played 18 snaps yesterday. Now, I can understand it if they're still trying to ease him in after injury, but that was the real story for me. Why those guys only got, you know, 44% and 29% of the snaps, respectively, in a game that was there to win, in a game that, you know, they desperately needed some pass rush. Do you know what I mean? And yes, you can argue that Dunlap and Atkins have regressed and quite naturally due to their age, but surely in that situation, you've got to stick them in there, you know. Um, yeah, so, I think I think as well as you say, it's who you, who you give it more time to. The fact that Xavier Williams, a journeyman who signed off the street, is going straight in there and ahead of Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap and people like Amani Bledsoe are getting more snaps than some of the veterans. I think there's going to be some questions on that team. If those guys are naturally regressing, but you've got some real young hot shots that are getting to Philip Rivers and are knocking him down and are, you know, keeping them on the bench, then that's fair enough. You can see that. But when you get absolutely trounced by the Colts yesterday, who the Colts on offense, really, I mean, you, you think they've got Marlon Mack out. Rivers is a bit older in the tooth now. They've got some guy yesterday that had over 100 yards on the practice squad a week ago. When you're not getting pressure on the quarterback and your secondary is getting picked apart, that's when I think you talk about this locker room and stuff. People are saying, well, why are these guys? You know, Chino Atkins went to the Pro Bowl last year. He was lucky to go, and he was quite fortunate in my opinion, but he still went to the Pro Bowl. He's still a very widely um, regarded talent at the position. Obviously, Carlos Dunlap, a sack away from leading the Bengals all-time for number of sacks. So I think that, Pete, there's going to be a lot of questions there. And again, when you're a young and experienced head coach that isn't winning games, it, I think players across the locker room are going to be looking at that saying, I don't understand it. Yeah, and as Elise sort of confirmed, I guess, um, you know, obviously she wouldn't name sources and we wouldn't expect her to, but she's still close to the players and, uh, you know, her sources are fairly impeccable in terms of um, providence. Um, oh, man, it's just, you can see it on the field, can't you? That there, you know, there was umpteen times in the defence yesterday that, there was mistake after mistake in the secondary. 
And it's just one week after the other. You know, one week the defence plays really well, like they did against Baltimore, and hats off to Lou and, and the team. Uh, and then this week they were, you know, dreadful. Yeah. Uh, last week it was the offence uh, that played badly. This week, you know, I thought actually Zach and Brian had a pretty good game play calling outside of a uh, a fullback kind of one-yard run on that third and one. Um, and uh, and a few other play calls that you kind of scratch your head at, but on the whole, he had a, I thought he had a pretty good game play calling. Uh, Randy Bullock missed another clutch kick. I don't know. It was just you just don't know what you're going to get with this team, and it just feels like you know it's, it's, it's situational football, isn't it? And I think that's the thing that's hurting the Bengals is they're playing well on either side of the ball either week. One week the offence is fire and one week it's the defence. One week it's the receivers playing well. One week it's the running back playing well. They can't string it together when they need to string it together. And it's another one-score game we lose by yesterday. And you just need players at clutch times to make big plays. I feel bad for Randy Bullock. I'm not going to see... The last thing we're going to do on this podcast today is have a go at him for the loss because he's out there nailing 55 yarders. I've always said he's not the best kicker under pressure when he's in it to win it. But that 55 yarders clutch, it was a close game, then he nails it. Fair play to Randy. But... It is situational football, and the Bengals just, you know, Joe Burrow driving at the end, throws that pick. Again, it's like, ah, you know, he, he was so, so sharp. I thought he played well yesterday. And there are positives. There's a lot of positives on that team. The receivers played fantastic yesterday. I, I cannot believe, after we were talking about AJ Green last week, I wasn't sure we'd even see him again. You know, I, I thought that injury might have finished him off a bit. He'd be out for four or five more weeks. He'd come back in a very limited role. He looked angry. I felt like he was playing her. He's fantastic yesterday. I think he was three yards short of a 100-yard game. T. Higgins, if it wasn't for Justin Jefferson, would be in there for the offensive rookie of the year. He's playing fantastically well. Got He finally got his deep ball. Really, you know, lovely balance along the sideline. Took it, was it 67 yards? Absolutely fantastic. So there's real positives at receiver. I mean, you've got A.J. Green, who's your, probably your third best receiver, which is, even though A.J.'s regressed a little bit, he's still got a lot of talent. You evidenced it yesterday. So there's certainly a lot to like. It's just they can't situationally put it all together. They can't make a big play when it matters. And that's the sign of a good team is they can just have the confidence or the ability to step up when it really matters. And for the Bengals, it's the opposite. When it really matters, they can't find a way to do it. Yeah, it's such a shame, isn't it? Because they have got good players and they're all busting a gut. You know, all the coaches are trying their best, but they're just, it's just, not meshing. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah, not meshing. I mean, that, like, that offence, to me, is bloody good on paper. I mean, Jonah Williams is playing really well this year. The PFF grades came out today. He was, again, the highest-rated person on the line. This is his rookie season, really. Yeah, He's, he's going to be a good player, by all accounts. Joe Burrow, obviously, we don't need to talk about. Joe, um, Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard are a very solid, good running back core. Yeah, yeah Like I just said, the receivers are fantastic. Drew Sample, who's very quiet, and he got a catch yesterday, but he, he's shown a bit of potential. I'd like to see a bit more of him. It's a shame CJ Uzama's gone down. But really, the offense is pretty damn good. It, it's certainly not we're, not, we're not rolling out there with Kellen Clemens and, you know, a couple of 
you know, washed up wide receivers out there. I mean, we've got some really talented players on that offense. You know, that that could be a, if we can get the right coaching and game plans in place. There's no reason that offense can't be laying up some points on people because we talked about can the receivers get separation and stuff like that. But really, there's some there are some good players on the offense and. I guess if we're trying to look for positives in this, it is that. If that group can stay together or they can get some more out of AJ Green and get him playing, you know, like he did yesterday, that offense will be dangerous against um, teams throughout the rest of the season. Well, let's hope so. Um, but it was. You're I'm digging for something here, son. <laughs> no, no, I don't. This is the thing. This is the infuriating thing. You don't have to dig very deeply to see no, I know, good I know, I things know. on this team. You know, as you say, we've got great skill position players. Um, Jesse Bates, phenomenal. Jesse Bates is the best safety in the NFL. Yeah, and he, and he stepped up yesterday, made a big play. And I, he, he had a bad. I mean, his first year he looked fantastic. Last year he really took a step back, and this year he's left. He's left off from where he started in that rookie year. He's he's been sensational. Big play, you know, difficult interception. By no means a gimme. He goes up there, yeah. snatches it. You know, a fantastic play and. That's what you need. You need these young lads to step up and make, you know, really become, make a name for himself in the league. So, I mean, that, that's looking like a fantastic pick now from that draft. Um, like you said, you don't have to dig too far. There, there are some glimmers that Logan Wilson's had his uh, plays this season. You know, some of those guys, even coming off the street into the lot, you, know, you know, Xavier Williams yesterday, I'm not sure how well he played, but he's fair play to the game. He's coming off the street and he's playing 30, 40 snaps, you know. So, there, there are some positives there. I am actually, just, I'm actually pretty impressed, or have been pretty impressed with Christian Covington. I think he's played yeah. pretty well, actually. And this is all observational. I don't have the stats in front of me, but you can see him active on pretty much every play. So I think that's yeah. a free agent that has worked. Well, that was a trade, wasn't it, I think, with Christian Covington? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So fair play. That was a great pickup. Um, Von Bell's not really showing me that much at the moment. He's be- he's not great in coverage. Uh you know, again, it's like, why are these players who played so well for their previous teams coming to Cincinnati and not performing? And you have to say it's it's got to be coaching, right? It's got to be coaching. Um, yeah. But it's difficult, you know. I think a lot of people were moaning about the fact that we were just rushing three, um, man versus zone, what's the best to play, but... I think you know people in the know have been kind of say it doesn't really matter what scheme you play if you don't have the personnel to rush the passer, then you know whatever scheme you play is 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 going to be difficult. You know when we did blitz, they just hit us on little crossing routes, you know, to pick up ten yards, especially on that final drive, their their final touchdown drive, I think. Um, so it was infuriating. It really was infuriating, but tinged with the with the feeling that they're not that far away. You know what I mean? They're not far away from becoming a good team. I think that's where the frustration lies as well, is that you look around the league and you've got people like the Titans with Ryan Tannehill of 5-0. and yeah. And you look at them and you think, Jesus Christ, Mike Rabel's done a good job with them. Because Ryan Tannehill two or three years ago was less sexy than Andy Dalton. And I think when you see coaches get the most out of people, like when Nick Foles goes to the Super Bowl and, you know, wins it, like when you see coaches getting that out of average players, that's when you're like, wow. And I think for the Bengals, 
we've said, like we've said, there's talent, individual talent on that team. We've said, even with Gino and Carlos, I know they're regressing, but there really are some good players on paper on that team. And I think that we, we as fans, really strongly believe that not only should we have more wins, but also that there's wins there to be taken. We're not getting blown out. They're tight, tight games, one-score games that you feel like one play either way, an opportunistic fumble return for a touchdown, a big play on offence, you know, anything like that could turn these losses into wins. And I feel bad for Zach, and whether it's his coaching style or it's just bad luck, there has been a few games where you look back at, certainly that Seahawks game, his first one in charge, where he just felt like if something could have broken the right way for him, a fumble gone in one direction, not the other, a, you know, an interception that was caught, not dropped, or anything like that could have just completely changed everything with a belief in that locker room. Because a couple of wins early in his tenure or even this year, you just wonder how that mentality has changed, whether the locker room's a little bit more, a little bit more harmonious. I, I don't know, but it's a difficult job now. Um, I think the big thing for Zach is that it was a hard job coming in for him. He's a young lad. Um, Bengals took a punt on him as a you know an offensive mind. It was always a difficult job coming into a team that was sort of was it in transition, was it not? And I think after a year and a half, having won three games, and we're you're hearing from Elise um, that there's some disconnect in that locker room. It becomes an enormous job for him now as a young coach, where there's disconnect. Players are not happy. It's leaking out into the press. It's leaking out into social media. How do you, as a young guy, when you're not winning games, turn that ship around? It is a monstrositous task. I don't know if that's the way you say it, but it's a massive task to turn that around from here because you've got to get all these geezers on side. You've got to win some games. You've got to motivate people. And it, when you've potentially lost a locker room, you rarely get it back. Monstrositus. There's a new Palmerism for our Palmer Dictionary. <laughs> for our Palmer Dictionary. Um, I'm trying to follow you, son, after some of these <coughs> eloquent words that you've been Don't using. Do it, mate. I, can't, I can't match up. Don't do it. No, actually, keep doing it because they're they're very good. And that's not me being glib or, or, or smarmy, but uh, you just be yourself, mate. You, you, you do you. you, do you. Um, Cheers, my son. But, yeah, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, the way to the way a coach kind of steadies the ship quite frankly is to get rid of the dead wood that's what you need to do and if Dunlap however much he's loved within the fan base is creating problems then I'm afraid you've got to get sh- got to get shot of him really if that might just send a message that you know no one player is bigger than the club and it's my way or the highway and you know I don't know it's I'm expecting a few a bit of movement uh, around trade deadline, and it's not going to be AJ Green. I don't think. I really don't think it's going to be AJ because he's he played a great game yesterday. And who's to say he he won't? You know, he'll he'll kind of get his confidence from that, and and kind of kick on from there. Let's hope so. Uh, but I yeah. I think certainly, you know, if you saw Carlos Dunlap's Instagram messages, which I missed, but people have been talking about them today after the game. Carlos Dunlap's dad chipped in and said it's it's time for a new challenge elsewhere um, oh wow you know the writing's on the wall unfortunately um which again is a shame he's been here for a decade he's had a really productive career so far um i don't know man it's uh, it's, diff- just- it's difficult isn't it because that's regardless of i agree with you with carlos there comes a time for every player that it's time to move on but 
you don't want to be seeing it coming out on social media after five, six games into the season. That's the problem because other players see it. Young guys see it. People like Joe Burrows just come into the team. He's optimistic. He wants to win. He's not thinking about it's his rookie season. He wants to win right now. And to be seeing this sort of extra baggage from veterans, captains on this team, from AJ Green last week, from Carlos this week. Carlos, the important point not, on it is, though, Carlos is not a captain on this team. No, sorry, I know that. I mean, no, I agree, sorry that. But a, a leader, you know, someone that's respected. Yeah, 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 he's, yeah, again, yeah. a pro bowler. He's a veteran. He should know better than to be airing it on social media like that. And I think that that's the difficulty is these younger guys have come into the league. They're hungry. They want to play hard. They want to win contracts. They want to win games. It's hard when you see this distraction in the background where people ain't happy. They're murmuring. They're chatting. They're posting. It's not good. And I... Like you said, yeah, you can trade some of these guys away, but you wonder if the damage is done there. It's a very, very hard task. And what will do it is winning. Zach Taylor's got 10 yeah. games to the end of the season. He won't be fired. I'd be stunned if he was fired. Yeah. Um, he's got 10 games, and I think he's got to... Not only has he got to win games, because they'll win games. They'll win at least three or four games. There's no doubt. You've got... Some, I think they've got to play the, the Jets at some point. They've got the, the Washington football team. You will win a few games. The Bengals are good enough, certainly, to win a few games. And I certainly think that they will do. Um, but it's whether or not you really see the, the growth there. Are you getting the most from the team? Are the players happy? What's, what's the locker room setting like? I, I think that's going to be the key. Because just Zach Taylor getting five, five wins is... What does that mean? That is that progress. So you, what are you basing that on? And I think for a lot of fans, the frustration has been on the field, the game plans, like that third and one call yesterday, the lack of aggression, the lack of innovation. I think there's a few things there. And I think for Zach Taylor to hold his job, he's got to have a hell of a next 10 games. He's got to win six, seven and look good doing it. I think if he's going to have any chance and he's got the opportunity, you know, a lot of people are written him off. The fans are very much on his back. Um, but he has got 10 games and he'll get 10 games. So whether we like it or not, or whether what anyone's opinion is, he's got 10 games. I think it's a mammoth task, but he has got 10 games to save himself. And if he was to win six or seven of those 10 and look good doing it and the players are playing well and he's getting the best out of Joe Burrow and people look happy, then then who knows? But it's going to be a big, big old task for the geezer. Next three games are Browns at home, Titans... And the Pittsburgh Steelers after the bye. So, tricky, tricky, tricky. Although, it, Baker might be out next week. Um, I, I I don't know. It'd be great to get a reaction against the Browns. I just worry about Derek Henry steamrolling the shit out of us, basically. Did you see him against... <laughs> it was Mate, against he's he's an absolute oh. geezer, isn't he? He's, he's like 250 or 60 pounds, just... Absolutely running at pace, the geezer. How can you bring someone of that enormity down? Are you? Where would you begin to tackle him? How would you bring him down? Apart from uh, some sort of with, uh, with an axe. With an axe, yeah. <laughs> Without weaponry, I was going to say. Um, <laughs> I would. How many? How many Bengals <clears throat> UK fans would it take to stop Derek Henry? If we were all padded up on yeah. the goal line and he's at the 25-yard line and we are all just stood there and he's the only man, he's got no blockers, how many geezers from Bengals UK is it going to take to stop him? I reckon I'm going 58. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon 20 of us would stop him. 
I don't know, man. I'd run away if he, I, mean, I saw I him. I certainly would be going first. We, if, we give we, we give uh, Dockers to him first. If I saw him <laughs> Throw running, Dockers in. If I saw him running towards me, I would run <laughs> as quickly as I could the other way. <laughs> yeah. we, give Tim, we, we throw Tim Knowles in as well he's a big lad just take him out early try and wear Henry down but yeah. got to be a job wouldn't it it would it would so you know and then yeah you're right we played the Giants we played Washington, the Washington and some other and then we played Miami and that's a case in point as we said last week Brian Flores getting the most out of his a pretty average roster and they won again last night so Blew yeah. out the Jets, didn't they? Blew out the Jets, which, again, you know... We've got to play the Jets, haven't we? I don't think so this year. Oh, do we not? I don't. We've got the Texans. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. Anyway, um, so there you go. There's a bit of rage, angst, and gnashing, and wailing, and uh, woe is me-ism. But some really interesting stuff from Elise. Of course, it's all unconfirmed. Uh, but she has got some impeccable sources. Uh, I still pray that it's not quite as bad as uh, as she says it is, but we'll see. Uh, but you're right, Zach has got a hell of a task on his hand to uh, to kind of turn this around. Um, what are you doing, Sam? If you're if you're in there at a minute, like what what do you how do you think that you can, we can rectify this problem without it just sort of coasting? Um, I would I would maybe um, hand play calling duties to over to uh, Brian Callahan. I would get rid of Jim Turner more or less immediately. Um, I would think I'd have Lou on quite a short leash. Um, but, you know, that's what I would do. I don't, I think you're right. I don't think they're going to sack Zach uh, yet. I even wouldn't be surprised if they kept him on for another year, really. But I think there does need to be some changes because things just aren't working. Uh, or or at least some things aren't working. And, uh, you know, you've got Darren Simmons there as assistant head coach. You've got Mark Duffner as a, as a consultant, I believe, on the uh, defensive side of the board. So if you did get rid of Lou, old Duffer is, is a prime uh, candidate to take over immediately so you could make changes do you know what I mean quite quickly and um, enough of this rage and pure liquid anger let's have a little bit of a break <laughs> and play first and ten right now joining us to play first and ten is Ken Davies from Derbyshire Ken welcome to Cincinnati thanks Paul it's been it's a real pleasure to be on I've been following it for about Oh, about a year now, so it's, uh, it's, it's, you make a great contribution to the Bengals community, thanks for that. Well, that's very kind of you, and thank you for all your interactions, they're always uh, welcome. Now, you, you put yourself forward for first and ten, we did have a one-question touchdown last week, so, I mean, it can't be beaten, but it can be equaled. Are you ready for this? Have you got a strategy worked out? Well, I thought I'd go for the more... The Zach Taylor conservative approach. To be honest, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna punt. Actually, no. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go for. I'm gonna go for the easy question first. I just want to record at least once. You want to score? Before. Yeah. Before so if you, if you took the Zach Taylor approach, you'd probably lose. To be honest with you. But anyway, <laughs> let's play first and ten. Oh, 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 oh,
So you know the rules, Ken. It's uh, you start at your own 20-yard line. You've got 12 questions to score a touchdown. An easy question right means you uh, advance five yards. Uh, uh, an intermediate question advances you 10 yards. And then a really hard question uh, will score you a touchdown from any part of the field. So what are you going for first? Well, I'm going to start easy. Let's get let's get Giovanni Bernard punching up the centre for five years. Okay. Complete the name of the sitcom Steptoe and Son. Very good. So, second down and ten from the twenty-five. What are you going to go for? Sorry, second down. Well, go for another easy one. Get the first down. Okay, I like it. Ray Davies, no relation, I'm guessing, was the no. front man on which. Uh, in which iconic 1960s band? The Kinks. Very good, correct. And a first down. Question three, you're at the 30 yard line. Well, I feel a bit more confident now, so let's go for a first and 10. That's all, let's go for a 10 yard, mean to okay. question. Okay, all right. Who wrote the novels Gone Girl and Sharp Objects? Oh. I'm not gonna get this. Uh, Joe Mixon. <laughs> Imagine. No, it was Gillian Flynn. No, not getting that. So we go for another first and ten. Well, another ten yard intermediate. Okay. Which uh, this is question four from your own thirty, uh, second and ten. Which legendary actor played Jimmy Hoffa in Martin Scorsese's twenty nineteen film, The Irishman? Great film as well. Great film. Who played Hoffa though? Oh my word! He was—he's an Oscar-winning actor. Yeah, I can—I I watched it. it four hours long, wasn't it, or something? He played opposite uh, Robert De Niro. I'm helping you here. Yeah, you are. You are. You are. You are. I am. Oh, Al Pacino. Correct. Correct. In the first down. Well done. Oh. Question five from your own forty. I'm going to go for ten-yard intermediate. Okay. Where is the US Masters Golf Tournament held? Augusta. Correct. You're at midfield, first and ten, question six. He's moving the ball. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I, I, let's go for another ten yard intermediate. Okay. What is the capital city of Switzerland? Stockholm. No, it's Bern. Stockholm is Switzerland. Oh, no. <laughs> You're right. Of course. Uh, Second and ten from the yeah, fifth. Yeah, got to be another ten yarder. Okay. Name the first actor to play Dumbledore in the Harry Potter films. Oh my word. Uh, struggling. I don't know. Pass. pass. Okay. It's Richard Harris. Oh, that brings up that. third and ten from the fifty. Well, it's got, it's got to be another intermediate, and then we'll go for the Hail Mary. Which southern Italian city is thought to be the birthplace of the pizza? Naples. Correct. And the first down. Oh, needed that. First and ten from the 40, from your opponent's 40, question nine. 
And this is the last. Is this the last question, or we got two more? No, you've got you've got. There's twelve questions. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll just go for a, a, an intermediate. Okay. Matt Goss, Luke Goss, and Craig Logan made which 1980s pop band? Bros. Correct. So, another first down, Ken. You're moving the ball, but you're on question 10 now from the 30-yard line. Well, I'll go for another intermediate. What, what language is spoken in Brazil? Portuguese. Correct, and a first down. You're down to the 20. It's getting tight. First down. So I could walk this in without going for a touchdown pass. You could, you've, could... Actually, you've actually timed it quite nicely. You've got two questions left. You've got to have, you've got to answer these two intermediate questions to get a touchdown. I'm gonna. That's what we're gonna do. That's what we'll do. So yeah, intermediate question, please, Paul. In what year did the Beatles split up? 1970. Correct. He's down to the ten. He's knocking on the door. (laughs) The last question. It comes down to this. Echoes of last night. Randy. Randy Bullock. No, go. Let's let's go. What is the English translation of Pret-a-Manger? Ready to eat. Oh, he's only got to score a touchdown. He's got it. He's got oh, beautiful. it. Beautiful. He took the full 12 questions. Well played, Ken. Uh, you didn't panic under pressure. You, you were very Joe Burrow-like in that drive, I'd say. Nothing phased you. There were a few setbacks, but you kept on track. You didn't panic and go for it all. You just... Uh, it's not going to be the one uh, question touchdown. No, no it might be the worst one, though. It might be the worst one, but frankly, there are other people, namely my esteemed co-host, who didn't score a touchdown at all. So uh, you can leave with our good wishes, knowing that you have scored a touchdown. Well done, Ken. Thanks, Paul. The longest drive prize, anyway. Exactly. I like it. I love it. All right, Ken, I appreciate the time. Thank you very much. Thanks, mate. Good to see you, mate. You take it easy. There we go. Ken, Davies there, uh, giving us a right old thriller in first and ten. We've got one more week of our quiz to go. Uh, Ken obviously scored a touchdown, but on the final twelfth question there. So Outrageous. Outrageous drama from Ken. Great stuff from Ken. Right, let's get back to the whaling and uh, gnashing and uh, shouting to the heavens. Uh, It's time for our correspondence. And as you can imagine, once again, there's a lot and there's a lot of anger. So if anger's not your thing, then I would, as they say when the football results come up, I would look away now. (laughs) Right, let's go. Uh, VB at Von Blade. Solid handle. um, He says, uh, I feel the same about Zach Taylor as I did about Marvin Lewis. The head coach doesn't call plays or make plays. With a roster lacking OL quality, the offence is DOA, regardless of who is in charge. Sitting our best DLs is dumb, but the HC doesn't drop passes or miss tackles. At least, unlike with Marvin, we're not wasting challenges on nothing or out of timeouts by midpoint of the first quarter. Changing head coach, for who? Won't fix false starts or drops, or coach the line better. I mean, they're fair points, really, but still, you need someone to coach the line better if you're acknowledging a... 
uh, if the line does need to be coached better. But I think he's making the point about Zach and, and Marvin um, as a head as the head coach. Interesting point, uh, Vonnie. Thank you very much. Um, Ol at Armaduke Panache. Solid handle. He says, say it with me, everybody. The only thing prevent defence does is prevent you from winning the game. Uh, Ken Davies, who uh, who we enjoyed playing uh, first and ten with, he asks, do you think the Bengals need a thumper on the roster running back? I wonder if part of this not going for it on four downs has something to do with this not having a Derek Henry, Jordan Howard type of guy who just hits the line hard and is always going to get a yard or two. I don't know, Ken, we've got Samajay Perrine, so, you know, uh, no. Um, I don't know, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Maybe there's... Joe Mixon is a big geezer. I mean, he should be able to do it. It's just obviously, are you getting that push from the line? I mean, yeah. I think we all agree it was a bit of an unusual call there. Like Perrine, I don't think he's had a carry this year on a key third down. As uh, one of the co-commentators said, you're running him on cold off the bench with not much of a run-up to the line. It was a bit of a head-scratcher for sure. Ken also says, can you add a bit to the disclaimer at the end of the podcast along the lines of, supporting the Bengals carries a high risk of serious disappointment. This podcast accepts no responsibility for making you believe you did something very seriously wrong in the past life. And I think that's it. We're all Bengals fans. We're all going to stay Bengals fans, but it's... You know, we need to get stuff off our chest occasionally. And this is what these forums are for. Matt Moon at Matt Moon's, uh, he says, Zach always said we needed to play with the lead. Then 21 up and lose. So this affects Zach's prospects more than other games. If looking for positives, it is actually a positive that we built a 21-point lead. If we can improve at playing with a big lead, play calls, play focus, etc., Maybe it's a very painful step on the way to getting better. I accept that is it is a big maybe, uh, though. Tom McDowell at Wagat, Dub DD. Uh, I really think I'm getting off the ZT train. I've tried so hard to be optimistic, but it's not working, and I can't see how it gets fixed without something major. Um... Dave Cass at uh, Come On Didier. Solid handle. During the virtual tailgate, I messaged that I wasn't going to bet on the result. I lied. Waited till we were 14 up and put my money on the Colts. Disloyal? Yes, but like taking money off a child. We just haven't got it in us to win type games against decent opposition. Well, that's that's something else. If you support a team and then put a bet on the other team when when they when your team is fourteen nothing up, that's uh, that's not confidence, really, is it? Um, Do you know I had, a, I had a bet the yesterday on the Bengals when they were down driving. They're about three point four, I think I got on that. I really like you, son. I felt like they were going to do it yesterday. I felt like they had it in them to win one of those sneaky last games, get a bit of get a bit of movement going. I really did. When Joe Burrow was moving it methodically down the field, I was like, here we go, here we go, here we go. Really surprised by that pick. But, um, yeah, fair fair play to uh, for Dave with a cheeky win there. Neil Nathvani at Neil Nathvani. First time caller, I think. Very welcome along, Neil. 
Really, Go on, Neil. really like him as a guy, but ZT's previous experience in a senior role came with one season as an OC at the Bearcats in the college game, and prior to that, a few games as interim, interim OC at the Dolphins. He just doesn't have the experience that would have really helped get him through these initial struggles as an NFL head coach. I do worry about his ability to turn things around now. So that's Neil's uh, agreement with everything else. Um, Duncan Newton at Slam Dunk the Funk. Solid handle. Zach will sort this. We aren't far off being where we need to be, but ultimately his record needs to improve. I don't see the point in making a coaching change. We all wanted the culture and behaviours to change, and we are seeing this, but it's taking time. Patience needed. Um, again, I think that's a fair point. You know, I, 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 well, he's got like ten games, isn't he? And I, I, I mean, I hope he does. I want us to win. You know, I hope he does, and he's gonna. He's got a chance. I think he's got ten games. Win six or seven, Zacky boy. Yeah, absolutely. It's all there in front of you, Zach. Uh, ben Wintle at Shabba Dabba. Um, Solid handle. This one really stings. I was so excited for that first quarter and was texting people saying how good we looked. Oh, how foolish of me. The coaching staff need to go. This isn't working. And I am worried that if something isn't done soon, we will lose Burroughs' interest. Uh, Do you know what I think sometimes doing a Bengal is like... <laughs> Joe Burrow's like that really attractive missus that you've managed to pull when you're like so lucky to have her. Like you're just really lucky and you like you always you take her out and you're always open she's not looking at someone else and you sort of feel like non deserving of her a bit. I always feel like when we were gonna draft him, he was like, Is is he gonna come and play for the Bengals? And all the national media were trying to like drum up these stories that he didn't want to be here. And now I feel like for the fans, there's always a bit of nerves going around. Like, oh, oh is Joe happy? And I mean, I was saying it earlier by all accounts, but is Joe happy? We've got to make Joe happy. And I just feel like he, he is a bit like that sort of, that partner that you feel like is a bit too good for you that you're trying to cling on to. I'm not sure you went, why, why your voice went a bit high there, Nathan. <laughs> um, oh, Joe. You're sitting on some sort of, did your testicles get an electric shock or something? <laughs> Um, right, Odat at DCE. In Q1, we saw a good game script that delivered 21 unanswered points on the road. But when the game got tight, Zach got tight and he got into a don't lose panic spiral. That's the culture he is building, not a winning mentality which he's been preaching. I'm concerned, it's concerning most of the free agents. We bought in, haven't changed things. I'm not a McVeigh cheerleader, but his first three seasons in LA were 11 and 5, 13 and 3, and 9 and 7. It's brave appointing a young coach with very little experience, but ZT is out of his depth, and I think the locker room know it. Well, there you go. Um, uh, Sam Anger at Sam underscore Anger. I'm still mourning the loss, if, if I'm honest. The most frustrating part about it for me was the fact that we actually had a good O-line performance and we got some momentum going. We take a lead, so you'd think that the D would play like they have. Nope, we just can't have nice things. Positives, great to see AJ back on it again. Higgins is just getting better and better. The O-line, just stay consistent. Negatives, D-line seems like a sinking ship. Randy needs to be more dominant under pressure. 
on the field, there are still positives with this team. Uh, and that's about it, I think. Yes, that's it. Thank you very much to uh, everyone who has contributed. Thanks to everyone for watching our online tailgates. They'll continue again um, this Sunday. I, I think just it, it bears repeating that we are planning a chilly cook-off at some point in the very near future on the online tailgate. So do stay tuned for that. Uh, as ever, you can get us on Twitter at Hooday underscore UK, Bengals UK on Facebook and uh, and YouTube as well. We're everywhere um, at the moment. So uh, do keep in touch with us. I know things are tough right now, both on the football side of things and in the life side of things. But, you know, this is what we're here for. We're still a, a great community. So um, uh, let's keep it all together. Keep on rolling. Let's see where it takes us. Quick preview to the Browns game, my son. Yeah, I think we've got a chance. Uh, they, I think we have got a chance. Chubb, Chubb's out, isn't he? Chubb's out for the season. I'm not sure what Baker's status will be when game time comes around. Um, don't know. They still got great players. Um, they still edge us on talent. I think so. It's going to be another really difficult game. They certainly got a better pass rush than the Colts have, um, but you know we kept it relatively close. In Cleveland, so I don't see why we can't again. Um, don't know. I'm gonna have to have a think about this one. I think Browns are favourites, though. Really, realistically, yeah. I, I think if Baker's out, you've got a really good chance. I mean, he's not by any means been fantastic, Baker Mayfield, but I think he's going to be a lot better than the backup there. I. It's funny because each week. I always feel like the Bengals have a really good chance. And I think they'll have a good chance against the Browns. You feel like they're good value against the spread because we know there's talent there. And obviously we're at home against the Browns. They've got some injuries. Nick Chubb's a big miss for them. He's a fantastic running back. So I really think every week we're going to have a chance. Man for man, the talent is there. Definitely on offense. Um, It's just, as I said, it's that situational football. Can we get it right, string it together for a whole game and finish a team off? And I do fancy our chances. I really do against the Browns. Josh Bynes, because we're recording this on the Monday evening in the UK, which is sort of mid-afternoon in the US. And, of course, on Mondays, that's when it's a media day. Zach comes out on his Monday afternoon press conference and some of the players have a little come out and have a chat. Uh, Our old friend Lindsay Patterson has just tweeted, we should be a 4-2 and two team right now. We have to learn how to finish these games. And uh, that's from Josh Bynes. And, you know, if there is a problem in the locker room, you're going to look to to players like Josh Bynes, one of the few free agents that we've signed to, to be pretty solid, I think. And uh, so, yeah, we need steady veterans like Josh in there, kind of, you know, making sure they're on it. Uh, he also follows up. Uh, he says we've just got to play effing better, uh, which, uh, which again, I don't think anybody can disagree with. Uh, right, uh, that's a wrap for episode 104. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, until next week, stay safe, and it's a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.